All right. I've been waiting to have this conversation with Noel. I'm glad to have him in. Noel is on the road, so you're going to definitely be in for a treat because he's actually taking time out of his day to actually be informative for the uh, the whole subscriber base and for the new viewers that's actually swimming in who's going to talk about real estate from a different perspective and give you that high-level view from an investor mindset. Noel Walton, welcome in. Hey, thanks, Craig. I appreciate it. So, no, tell us about what you're at currently in your journey right now uh, on your on your big nationwide trip. Yeah, so uh, family and I, we started traveling. I just retired out of the Army in December, and uh, we decided, hey, this is a great opportunity before our kids start school. Take about eight months on the road, so we got an RV. Uh, we started traveling from Texas. I, just, I retired out of Fort Hood. Uh, we just uh, started hitting the West, primarily Midwest, since January. And uh, we're out in Denver, Colorado right now. About another month left. About another month left. Man, that's a big journey. And I believe that it actually has been pretty exciting for people to actually enjoy the opportunity of actually being on the road and seeing new sites, new landmarks, things of that nature that they are not accustomed to seeing all the time. So I imagine that has been a big deal for your family. Yeah, absolutely. We've, been, we've had a blast uh, visiting national parks and, uh, you know, just along the way, meeting people, friends, family, other uh, investors that we know and just connecting with people. It's, it's been a great time. Yeah, I can imagine. So I really want to get down into the weeds of it all. I understand the journey that you put together uh, from actually being in the military to transitioning to directly being invested in real estate and actually doing that as, as your bigger focus in life now. So can you just talk to me about where, where did it all start from? Yeah, so it, it started, I got into single family investing and around 2011, my wife and I, uh, actually, we just got together right before we got married. I uh, just really started flight school. I was an Army aviator, started flight school and found a townhouse, bought that, you know, just uh, lived in it, rented it out when I left and uh, held that for several years. And we, we saw and we knew how beneficial real estate investing was. Uh, so we started, you know, everyone usually starts really small and that's kind of the, the mindset people take is they will have to start with a single family home. That's kind of the thing we did. Uh, so start off with that first duty station. We used the VA loan. We bought a house out in Hawaii. Uh, it appreciated very well over three years. Took the, we actually sold it. Uh, then we went to our next duty station back in Alabama, enterprise Fort Rucker, uh, bought a house out there with some of the proceeds. And we just started learning the, the ropes of rehab, fix and flip, uh, got into some of those, did several of those while we were there. Uh, they were great. Uh, but what we realized is you're capped uh, and, you know, your, your scalability is not there in the single family space. You know, it's especially if you're, you're in a full-time job, flipping is a job, you know, and you're not getting paid unless you're flipping. And we realized we want to work toward passive income. That's really what our goal was and something that could be scalable and not require more of our time. So uh, after several years of that, uh, we, we then moved to Fort Hood. And that was about the time that you know, we were our, actually our second daughter was born. And that's really when we realized, hey, our time is that much more limited now. Uh, and what do we do? So that's what took me to the multifamily side of things, the commercial multifamily otherwise known as apartment syndications as uh, what, what specifically I am involved in now. And uh, that has been a tremendous jump. Uh, 
uh, and not necessarily harder than single family. It's a different business altogether. Uh, it's a team sport and it is very scalable. There's a lot that can be done uh, with a team and requiring very little of your own time, especially if you only invest as a limited partner or a passive investor. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at now and I'm, I'm loving it. It's, it's something I wish I would have started years ago. Um, but once again, it's that mindset of, oh, I have to start small. And it's not accurate. It's not true at all. Uh, it's so easy. Uh, I'm so easy, but it takes work uh, to get in and to learn the business, but well worth it in every, every aspect. So talk to me about how did you decide that that was the best way to go about? How did you know it was time to get started in that direction? What were some of the early steps that you took to the shift from that direction of, you know, doing fix and flips to actually get into basically apartment syndication? Yeah. So I, I knew the biggest hurdle was education. You know, is people look at a, a giant apartment complex. They think, Oh, I need a lot of money to do that. I need, uh, you know, I need a ton of experience in single families and like, no, none of that's true. It, it, it's such a, when people look at big things like that, it's intimidating, obviously, because you're looking at, you know, $10 million properties or more uh, for a lot of these. And it, it really just takes a team that together as a general partnership. And then you gather passive investors, your limited partners in the deal to bring the capital for the down payment and the CapEx and uh, closing costs and all those, those, that initial cash that you need to close the deal. So it's really the two main parts of it. And, uh, but really what, you know, at that point, uh, I knew I needed education because I can just jump into this not knowing what, what to do. You know, it, uh, mistakes can be costly, um, in single families, but go into something that big without knowing what you're doing. Mistakes are even more costly. So, uh, absolutely. You know, education was huge. Uh, that's what I started off with an education, a mentorship program, uh, actually got into that while I was on active duty, started educating myself heavily. And uh, during, you know, when COVID actually kicked off, it was shortly after I got into the education side, I was able to really grow my business. Um, you know, I wasn't allowed to really go anywhere, do much of anything. Uh, so uh, being online, uh, I was able to build a business, uh, really start forming my team, which I uh, see on my shirt, the Joint Chiefs of Real Estate. Uh, we're all military veterans, and we, we started our our journey uh, back in 2020. Uh, now we're coming up on close to 500 units under management, and uh, it's been it's been an awesome ride. So yeah, I think you hit a nail on the head with that. It, it can be intimidating. Um, you're right. Like when you walk ride past an apartment building and you see it, it's like wow. Um, <laughs> big that that's a big undertaking and usually you think typically that there's a major company that's uh actually behind that actually apartment complex that someone is actually renting from now my question to you is though is uh how does one find that type of deal in the first place well yeah that's uh that's one of the things that we do as a general partnership team we focus on the acquisitions and you know, having that established framework, uh, we offer these passive investment opportunities to folks. And like you said, a lot of people think, and it is true to an extent, there are many 
many of these properties that are owned by very large companies or hedge funds, things like that, but it's only a small percentage of the total properties out there. And uh, there, there are many operators, many general partnerships out there that are finding deals, uh, raising money from investors and closing these deals and, and offering good returns. Ours specifically is, you know, we, we are military veterans and we love to cater to military. You know, we want to give them an opportunity that, you know, uh, we, we've been there, done that. We know, hey, you're going to be deployed. You're going to be busy. You know, you're not going to have time necessarily to always go out and find real estate deals and, and do this active work. And that's what we are working on as a team now is we find the deals, we raise the money from investors, we sign on the debt, uh, we do all of that active work, the management of the property, everything, so that investors can take their money in and entrust us to uh, you know, give them a, a portion of equity in a deal. We operate that and then by the way we efficiently operate that, raise the value, but also, uh, you know, uh, so now distributions through cash flow, so that cash on cash return. Uh, there's, you know, once that value's up, we can do what's called a cash out refinance, uh, return a portion of investors' capital, and then in the future, uh, you know, in a future sale, uh, you know, the plan following the business plan, the value of that property will have grown exponentially, and there's your profits. So, uh, you know, there's there's tons of great ways to make money in in commercial space. And uh, it's it's uh, so much more scalable because there's economies of scale. You're putting hundreds of units on one location versus having hundreds of single-family homes scattered all you know all over the map. So uh, you know, and then once you're doing work on a property, uh, you got to think about okay, contractor is going to come in, it's going to do work on all the units on that property versus having to travel and use gas and things like that. So you know, your expenses are lower. Overall, um, you know, the, there's the efficiency of that management in place over those. Uh, you know, everything is just consolidated, and uh, that's that's the efficiency of it and the scalability. And then on the other side, you got to think about with commercial properties, uh, but people always need a place to live. That's never going away. And you know, we we're in a housing shortage, and on and people are thinking, okay, with the economy, you know what. How is that treating you? What's the risk? Well, <laughs> it's the best place to be with your money right now. I mean, look at inflation. You know, it's causing rents to drive up. Uh, and when we get debt, we're getting fixed rate debt for a long period of time. So that rate is, although, yeah, the rates are high now, but once that's in, it's locked. Your rates stay the same and your rents continue to go up. So there's that increase in value through that. And then, of course, you know, improvements on the property, improvements in management. So, yeah, it's it's a great business. So many benefits. Um, you know, there's huge tax benefits as well. Uh, one of the questions we get a lot of times, too, is like, hey, why shouldn't I invest in the stock market or crypto? And Hey, if you got the risk tolerance for it, go for it. Uh, but, you know, the, honestly, I, I put very little of my portfolio in, in those. Um, I say majority goes into real estate because I know, you know, the risk level is significantly lower. I'm going to have the cash flow. I'm going to have the appreciation and the tax benefits, which you will not see with any of the market. This is true about the tax benefits. I cannot argue with you that 
Oh, that about the tax benefits between stocks, crypto, and the difference between getting tax benefits in real estate. Um, I want to back up just for a second because I want to come back to what you said about the inventory and things of that nature. Um, but I know you was talking about education is very important in knowing how to real estate and invest in real estate. What is were there books or anything that you read during that time frame that actually gave you a better, clear picture on how to invest in real estate? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great books out there. Uh, and I always recommend people start out with books that address the mindset first. If you don't have the mindset, you're not going to have what it takes to take the action. And first off, like I think kind of the, the foundational book that most people start with and I recommend as well is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. You know, that's that's kind of that fundamental mindset for an entrepreneur, you know, and, uh, you know, it breaks out the self-employed, the business owner, uh, the investor. Get the four in the quadrant, but I think you've probably read it. Most most people have. If they're uh, probably listening to your podcast, they've at least heard of it. I'm sure. So, absolutely. That that's one I recommend. Uh, but beyond that, you know, there's uh, there's so many books that go more specifically into commercial real estate. Um, and you know, I'll have to get with you later on and get send you a list of uh, what I recommend. You can add it to your show notes. So, absolutely. But, uh, that's why I was because I, I like to understand where people get their mindset from. Because right now I'm in the midst of uh, reading uh, the next five, your next five moves, your next five moves by Patrick Bet David, and his mindset is really spot on about things that you aggressively need to look at inside yourself to actually make the next moves to get to where you want to go. And I just like to know where people get their mindset from when they actually reading these books and educating themselves on things that they need to know. And I hope that kind of like sticks out for my audience a bit too. So when we go into talking about uh, the real estate inventory that we're currently seeing in the markets. So even, even though we're now seeing interest rates going up, like you like you talked about, that fixed rate is still ideal because in a market where it's uncertainty about how far the interest rates are going to go and how much actual inventory is actually out there in the market for people to actually buy their own home, it's kind of important for real estate to actually have a rental market that's actually outweighing the, the inventory of, of uh, single-family homes well right now. Because if no one, because for the lower income families right now, they're actually being priced out of actually having their own single family home because due to the high interest rates that's actually taking effect and the increase that we've seen rapidly in actually price fluctuation of uh, value for homes. So what's your take on uh, exactly how people should look at the rental market directly? Oh, man, it's a. Uh that's been a big challenge you know that the market is doing some wild stuff and uh you know we've, we've seen this aggressive inflation last few months and obviously the fed's trying to curb that raising rates uh which they're doing quickly but you know how's it going to result in balance it out uh who that's anybody's guess at this point but uh yeah i mean it, it, there's obviously a shortage of affordable housing and you can see i mean inflation is still driving rents up and especially in hot markets but uh, in, in a lot of cases renting an apartment is generally going to be more affordable than going out and buying your own house and especially now as you're seeing rates continue to go up uh, you know I, I'm, I bought a duplex two years ago and uh, VA loan I used it was 2.3 percent you know and that was like ideal I mean really one of the lowest rates I've seen in a while now people are looking at buying houses at 
five, five and a half, maybe 6% soon, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's wild. So, and that, that is slowing down the, the demand for purchasing uh, homes as we're seeing. Um, but you know, it's, it's, there's so many factors out there in the economy with all of this happening. Uh, you know, it will, it's kind of anybody's guess. Uh, I've heard so many different uh, economists talk and there's varying opinions. So, uh, but you know, there's still, there's still, the shortage is still there. Uh, the demand is still there for, for that affordable housing. So, uh, you know, that's really, we're in, we're in a good spot, you know, and, uh, commercial properties, uh, you know, people are like, what about a housing crash like 2008? Well, if you look at that, the 2008 housing crash, you look at kind of the cause of that, um, you know, whether or not that, that was is applicable to now, uh, may, may be relevant or not. But when there's a crash in the single family housing market, it rarely affects commercial real estate. So, and that's one of the things that, that happened in 2008, people really lost millions in that crash in 2008. Uh, but the, the, what you, what you find, if you look back on data is that commercial real estate was, was very minimally affected as a result of that. And, uh, it's one of the reasons is that commercial real estate is valued by its net operating income and not based off of comparable properties in the market. There, there is some influence of that. You know, some of the pricing is based off of what have other properties sold for comparables, but the ultimate valuation of those properties is going to, going to be based on what that net operating income is uh, in the formula along with the cap rate. So, um, you know, that that's one of the great things about it is, hey, even if the market, the cap rates go up, uh, which would indicate lower prices uh, and a higher risk in the market for commercial properties, uh, if you're still able to raise that net operating income, you're still bringing that value up and you're hedging yourself against a, a down market. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I really do think that that is important. Um, I would actually, right now we're actually in the market looking for a house right now. And it's really crazy. Like here in this market, it's really, it's really demanding. And it's almost one of those things where, you know, I was like, oh, you know, because I'm transitioning out of the military, just similar to you, um, but I'm getting out next year. It's just one of those things. I'm just like, man, I should just probably did this last year when I said to do it. But it's like, oh, well, I can't do anything about that. Now you got to look forward and forward facing almost making me thinking about uh, how prices will will act at the end of of this year. I know that, like you said, the Fed is trying to curb enthusiasm on people going out and actually purchasing homes as aggressively as they are. And I've seen where, well, I was just recently reading a study in Virginia where basically the median home price has grown over $100,000 in the last four years. So basically went from 296 to $396,000, so $400,000 average home in Virginia. And I actually really, and interestingly in that report, it said they have not seen rapid decrease in home prices. So I'm almost uh, in the effect now thinking that we may plateau at home prices, but not necessarily see them decline. Like people refer to like, in the 2008 bubble. And that is more, uh, that's almost a little bit more fearful because like you said, affordable housing is necessary, but where is the affordable housing going to come from if developers are not building it fast enough? Yeah, for sure. 
yeah, so. and it, it's uh, it's a lot of challenges out there, and uh, the developments are happening. Uh, there's a lot of development, even in the multifamily side of things as well. Uh, then there's the challenges with the development, the supply chain issues. Uh, you know, I've seen the, you know, we've seen that huge spike of the price of lumber in the last year, and it's starting to come back down. But uh, that that's hurt some builders as well. Um, you know, it's just uh, a lot of factors. But uh, the fact is, demand is still there. They're still developing. People are still. Uh, I've seen partners out there raising capital for you know syndication development deals as well. So there's a lot of that going on. Um, but uh, ultimately, our team focuses on cash flow. Uh, you know, appreciation is never a guarantee. Uh, it is something that we work into our underwriting very conservatively, along with our very well thought out business plan. And, you know, how are we going to raise the value of this property very conservatively? And to a point to where we know confidently we can't exceed our expectations, but we want to put on paper, hey, when we talk to investors, this is the, you know, what we project we can meet or exceed. You know, we want to be able to under promise and over deliver. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So how, what is the minimum, what is the minimum needed to deposit with you to actually be an investor? Well, it, it can depend on, you know, the size of the property. So how much money we need to raise for each asset, for each deal. So some of the deals we have done, uh, and primarily what we do is a 506B syndication. So in order for someone to invest with us, we'll have to actually be on, get on a call with them, vet them and understand that like, we have uh, a relationship uh, prior to investing with us. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that could be done, you know, sign up on a call with with us on our website, uh, they're interested. But uh, it could be anywhere from twenty-five to fifty thousand for a minimum investment, and uh, generally fifty thousand is, is for most properties will be the minimum. Uh, but you know, obviously, it can depend on what what the loan size is, what's how much capital needs to be raised. So we have certain limitations as to how many non-accredited investors we can include on a five hundred six B syndication. But the great thing about a 506B, what we do is that we can take investors who are not accredited. So if you don't meet that $1 million net worth requirement or uh, $200,000 a year for the last two years, if you're single or $300,000 a year for the last two years, if you're married. So uh, there's, you know, those SEC guidelines on that, which we follow. We're required to follow by law. And uh, so that's what, one of the things that that's why we connect with investors establish that relationship and ensure that you know, what we provide is a good fit for those investors that it meets their goals and uh, that you know they're not putting themselves in a bad situation financially by investing with us as well so. got you got you so this is so a 506b is the criteria usually typically you're looking at fifty thousand dollars as the minimum investor but there's are opportunities for people with less than fifty thousand dollars and the one million dollar net worth as an accredited investor to actually come in as an unaccredited investor. Um, and generally, what you try to—I'm I'm just guessing. Correct me if I'm wrong. But what you generally try to do is uh, get enough accredited investors first before you open that outlet up to other people to come into the deal. Well, we'll, we'll actually open up as soon as we're under contract. If you have already been vetted and you're on our investor club, you're going to be the first to know about a deal. So if they're first come, first serve, if you get in there and you make your commitment, uh, you know, and, you, and you're ready to wire funds in, 
obviously, you know, once we've had our webinar, you've had a chance to have all your questions answered about the deal. You know, we, we can absolutely, uh, you know, get you in there, get your funds wired first, get your spot before even, a, even the accredited investors, if you're not, if you're not accredited or if you're considered a sophisticated investor. Got you. So I understood as you started with saying that this is actually one of those things where you don't necessarily uh, have to put your money down as much and it makes it a lot more lucrative investment for you. Can you like break down just why it would be more lucrative for somebody to start this type of business as well? Yeah. So, I mean, really the, the biggest benefit to this is, you know, you, you can invest your funds. You have options. Obviously, you know, you're say you're weighing the options. You want to put money, say $50,000 as a down payment on a single family rental or something like that. Well, you got to think about the time and the efforts you're going to put into that versus 50,000 completely hands off passively into an apartment syndication where our team would handle the active side of everything. So really the time requirement for a passive investor is as much as watching the webinar and getting on a call just to ask any questions they need and then initiating the wire and everything else from there is monthly updates or monthly or quarterly updates depending on uh, what we have going on or how busy that project is and then you collect checks you know so it's just distributions paid out regularly and uh you know in the future after a business plan there could if with a value add plan could be hey a return of capital in two to three years or in a sale uh, at five, seven, or 10 years, uh, you know, just depending on just like what financing is in place, uh, what the business plan is for that property. Got you. So, so you, when you do distributions, are y'all, how often are the distributions? Generally, those are made quarterly. Uh, and there are uh, different teams that might do monthly, but standard quarterly is, is, uh, pretty standard across the industry and that allows you know that quarter to be closed out everything could be measured on hey how is our income expenses everything's been you know uh, all expenses been paid and you're able to uh, you know make those quarterly reports and say okay this is how much profit we made for this quarter now we can make those preferred return distributions and any splits above that as well can be paid out to the passive investors so one of the other things that I think about when it comes down to this, though, is that you want to be sure that you, like you said, you want to attend the webinar. You actually want to make sure that you understand exactly what is going on. But I know for a fact what I'm thinking in my head is that y'all don't start uh, distributions until y'all completed the whole project in itself, right? Where you basically go through the whole project, you get everything erected, you get everything settled, you close the deal, you do all the closings. Um, and then basically after you pay, um, you pay in a property management team as well at that point in time, correct? Yeah. Property management is also included in our expense line items. So, uh, and, and that's something, uh, you know, we're always it takes me to a point too. people. There are a lot of people who like to see the numbers and we're actually, you know, very happy to share those numbers and help educate because that, that's for us is very important. We don't want investors coming in and just say, you know, sit down, shut up and just take your money. You know, we're, we're there to, we're there to, uh, you know, really educate and spend the time to, to answer people's questions so they understand the process, they understand the structure and, you know, how, how the income, the expenses, the debt, how all of that ties together. So, uh, you know, we, we love to help educate uh, and, you know, the, really the first step, if anybody is interested, 
to uh, you know learn more about our team and how they can invest with us, just jump on our website, set up a call with one of our partners, uh, myself uh, or our other three, and um, you know we're we're happy to jump on a call and get to know you. And then from that point, you're you're considered uh, vetted and qualified to get on our investor list. So uh, yeah, and that's uh, we love to meet new folks, get them on, help join the team and partner with us. So let's talk about the team for a second, because you did say yeah. that you joint chiefs of real estate. So for those <laughs> yeah. who, so I'm guessing that's an army, uh, air force, Navy and Marine Corps. Yeah, that's, that's our, our core four now. And, uh, we it, pretty interesting. We started out with, uh, you know, the, the four of us, I met my first partner, miles and, uh, miles Spezios, I met him. He was a captain in the air force. I was a captain in the army. We were both stationed at Fort hood. Uh, he has since transitioned to the Space Force. Uh, he's, you know, that at another uh, branch of the military to our group, which is cool. Uh, then shortly after, we brought on James May, who was a prior Marine. He is now working for the Foreign Service. Uh, so he's been at embassies around the world, uh, does some pretty awesome work there. And Tom Groves was our, our latest and... Uh, he just retired out of the Navy about a year and a half ago as a master chief and uh, brings some really great asset management skills. He's one of those integrators, you know, you, you, your Navy as well, if I remember correctly, right? So, you, you know, the master chief gets in there and, uh, you know, makes things happen. So it's a good blend across the team, a lot of great experience. Uh, and, you know, we, we've been, uh, as time goes on, becoming more and more, uh, ordered in our seats and our roles and responsibilities and uh and it's it's been a it's been a great journey so far that's awesome that's awesome i think that um we've hidden on a lot of wickets here uh when it comes down to just getting to your real estate investment journey and how things are aligning up for you and how people can actually take advantage of the scenarios that you put in front of so what is some just some never financial advice but just some financial tips that you would give people to consider as they continue on, on their financial journey? Yeah, I mean, the, the financial tips, I'd say kind of vary depending on where people are at, but I know for most military and, you know, for me, when, where I was at 10 years ago, 12 years ago, it was like, hey, I'm uh, just recently commissioned and now I'm making a decent paycheck. What do I do with it? You know, I don't need all of this to live off of on a monthly basis. I can, you know, be, uh, I recommend, you know, try to live off half your paycheck. It, depending on where you're at, it may or may not be doable. You know, how many family members you have, but uh, try to try to live off as little as possible. Put aside money every month. Start saving that, and you know, get to a point where you, if you can't jump into a syndication yet, get to the point where you can. You know, twenty five thousand, thirty thousand, whatever the case is, and from there, it once you get to those those numbers, those levels of, of uh, you know funds. You're able to grow that much faster and you get into a 50,000, uh, you know, just an example, we have, uh, you know, deals that are going full cycle, meaning, uh, you know, we purchased had investors in going to sell, uh, we have investors looking at, you know, 30% returns after a year and a half, which is pretty solid. So, uh, you know, imagine 50,000, you're, you get that money back at, you know, 75, 80,000 back in your bank account year and a half, two years, uh, not, not too bad. So, uh, there's some, definitely some, uh, 
great benefits uh, on the returns. And like I said, the tax benefits, so that's a whole nother topic, which you can go on about, but um, you know, it's uh, that's what I recommend, you know, and especially if you're in one of those positions where you're deploying, uh, you're, you're gone a lot, you're just busy schedule. Uh, to me, it's a no brainer, you know, put, put funds into a syndication, start out as an LP. And, you know, as you get into one, and you can say get a refi or you save more funds, you can snowball that money into the next deal. And then it just it just grows from there. It's a, and it's an exponential growth. I like I like the fact that you spoke on exponential growth, snowballing, built, living on half of what you make. I think those are all things that are key and essential that we don't really talk about as a, as a whole in the military. And one of those things that needs to be actually more self-educational and Kind of get, I think we are kind of getting to a point as a nation that we're starting to realize the education of financial situations are more important than we actually give credit to, as we spend a lot of time on other things that people don't really use after they leave high school or college. Um, so I think those are uh, excellent points and tips that you made here um, as you talk about it, because if you can basically figure out early on in your journey and your career path that you can live off less now to live a better life later way, you could probably enjoy your 40s, 50s, 60s. You're in a well better space mentally and physically because you're not feeling like you're being dogged enough to where you got to go out and work till you almost feel like you're 65, 70 years old at that point. And you're getting to enjoy your life, especially at the point where you could possibly even be driving around the country in an RV, hanging out with your kids. Yeah, yeah. that's And that, that's one of the benefits, uh, you know, that uh, we've taken advantage of and Partially was, you know, benefits from military retirement, partially benefits from real estate income as well. So, um, you know, that's that's something that I, I tell military because, you know, I grew up. And I saw it all the time. People would then they'd have to work a second job, you know, something they really hated. But it, it pays the bills. Right. Like, that's not the way we're supposed to live. You know, we, we need you need to make a goal, but it's not going to happen on your, without you actually taking the action, make a plan and make it happen. You know, you, you need to think of, okay, I go, my goal is retirement, but what else am I going to get in? What am I going to work on in the meantime to supplement that retirement so that I can truly be retired, uh, go live on an island if I want, or go travel or whatever, the, whatever your passion is, you know, uh, I think people should uh, to make those goals and make a plan to make it happen. I'm with you. You, you the best keywords that you use there is take action. And that is one of the simplest things to say, but one of the hardest things to do. And I think that you are spot on with that. And that's one of the biggest part of my journey as well, too, as I try to, you know, cultivate everyone to in the audience to actually understand. Don't worry about what you're doing today. Think about what you want to do in the future. And if what you're doing today doesn't equate to what you want to get to in the future, that means that you need to take action to change your destination to get to where you want to go. And I'm a fan of that, that saying, and I'm one of the ones who, who wants to live by that saying of, of taking action each and every day. And I appreciate you saying just the same thing, Noel. Yeah, of course. So where can everyone find joint chiefs of real estate at so that they can actually come over, check out the webinar and actually see if there's an opportunity for them to link up with your team to actually invest. Yeah, for sure. So our website, is jcore j-c-o-r-e investments.com so get on that website uh you can go on there there's a tab called invest uh, under that you can join the investor club 
but you will need to obviously get on a call with one of us. Uh, you know, it's 30 minute, just discovery call, get to know you, get to know your financial situation, what your goals are. And, uh, absolutely. We can, we can set that up, get you on there, get you qualified, and then you'll start receiving that. Uh, there we go. You can download our passive investor guide there, free download. Uh, that is some great information. And also if you go under the education tab, uh, we've got a lot of free information there, educational stuff, answers a lot of questions. We've got blog posts coming out on a weekly basis and uh, some of the past podcasts we've done. And uh, yeah, so just trying to offer as much value as we can to help people understand the business and how it benefits them, how they can get involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like this. This is all. I need to know who helps to help you out with your website. I need to get my website updated too. So this actually is great though. I actually like this. And, and like you said, this is come over here, check out the joint chiefs of real estate. Um, actually take them out. Uh, we'll leave a link down in the description as well in the show notes. And this is, if you're watching, if you're listening to this on streaming versus looking at the video on YouTube, you definitely want to go over and check out jcoreinvestments.com and check out what they have to offer over there and see exactly what you can take advantage of. So, Noah, I appreciate your op the opportunity to be here with you today and actually get, pick your brain about real estate investing and how that you can actually become a passive investor and actually grow your wealth through passive investing as well. Anything else you have left for the audience? No, that's uh, really it. You know, my goal is to bring value, help educate. I would love to connect with anyone that is interested. Uh, you know, look me up on Facebook, LinkedIn, shoot me a message, uh, you know, and you can set up, set up a call through our website absolutely well no i appreciate the time that you spend with me i hope that you enjoy your last month of your travel around the nation and enjoy the time that you're spending with your family before you get back after it uh after the summer um i, I appreciate it and we're going to sign off from the craig Houston podcast noah can you stand by for me yep gotcha <laughs>